0: This is your strength and speed host, Evan Preparis. I need to uh, apologize for part of this episode. While I've been traveling, I've been unplugging and replugging in my mic and shutting on and off my computer, and for this episode, my mic was actually recording through my computer and not my external mic, and the result is I sound kind of crappy. Tim Oliver, however, on this episode sounds very clear, so you can just bear with us for this episode and not worry about myself and kind of focus on Tim, I would appreciate it. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Perpares. and not joining me this week is Brenner Calvert. This week's episode is brought to you by Hammer Nutrition. Hammer Nutrition makes endurance supplements uh, from ultra-endurance fuel, like their Perpetuum with a fat, carb, and protein mixture, to gels, to Heed, their electrolyte slash carb replacement. They also make whey protein with no additives, so it's just straight-up whey. So if you like uh, their supplements, go ahead and head over to hammernutrition.com, check them out. And use referral code 240887 for 15% off your first order. Also, if you want to know more about obstacle course racing and training plans, you can pick up my book, Strength and Speed's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, off my website, uh, TeamStrengthSpeed.com. And we'll uh, plug that again at the end. Uh, so since Brenna is not on the call today, I do have a special guest. It is Timothy Oliver, uh 22-year-old obstacle course racer who lives in Sydney, Australia. If you follow World's Toughest Mother, you'll know that he finished fourth overall with 95 miles last year at the age of 21. He's got some other uh, highlights, including the Ozzy Suck Showdown, a 24-hour race, where he finished first in 2016. He finished third in True 24-hour Enduro, uh, which we'll be talking about a lot during this episode, and finished first in a 2016 Anzac Day 100-kilometer race. Uh, he's currently looking for some sponsors, so anyone listening to this, if you want to sponsor an amazing ultra-distance athlete, you can check him out, and uh, he kind of his big events for the year, are going to be World's Toughest Mother and True so Tim, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, great to talk to you.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have you, um, Brenna and I are actually both heading out to uh, True and Enduro this year, so we wanted, oh. to pick, we wanted to pick your brand a little bit ahead of time.
1: Oh, awesome. No, it's a really good event. It's, it's, it's cool. um, but it's still, it's a really challenging course. There's some obstacles which I hate more than anything at World's Toughest Mudder, but um, there's also, in some areas, it's easier as well.
0: Okay, so uh, you broke up a little bit there. So I think you said you say it's cold, right? Yeah, it does
1: get quite cold. Not quite as cold as World's Toughest Mudder, or depending on the year, obviously. So it was... It's cold. Um, there's there's quite a bit of water in it still, and a swim, and quite a lot of there's a whole mile of going through uh, knee deep to ankle deep water. Oh wow! How's the
0: uh, how's the elevation compared to World Stoppers? So know-
1: two or three minute minuscule climbs, and yeah, it's almost perfectly flat course. Um, two kind of loops for the course. And so elevation is very easy and um, not very challenging elevation-wise.
0: Okay. Um, it kind of takes us through the atmosphere. You know, like you know, world's toughest Motors It's kind of like a gigantic party. There's an obscene amount of people. There's like a thousand two hundred. So how does that compare with a True Grits' 24-hour event?
1: So True Grits only got about. 250 individuals going through the race compared to the over a thousand at World's Toughest Mudder. So the whole sense isn't quite there with the whole atmosphere. Not everyone's as pumped up. The volunteers are not the same as World's Toughest Mudder. They're not as into it. Um, but it's still, that makes it even more challenging. You haven't got almost everyone out there going, yes, yeah, smash it out like it was Toughest Mudder. But, um, so that adds an extra challenge to the course.
0: Gotcha. But yeah, still
1: quite a good event overall. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've done a 24-hour obstacle course race called Shell Hell in uh, Vermont, and uh, yeah. sim- similar thing. You know, probably probably about 100 people there, so you get more of that like ultra-distance feel. Like if you, you know, if yeah. you ultra-distance, you're, tr-
1: you're on your own out there. You'll be gone for a little while in the night sometimes, and you won't see anyone for uh, at least a couple hundred meters. You'll just be running on your own and um, Compared to with world's toughest, you're constantly running past people, or they're running past you, and you you feel like you are right alongside of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the obstacles. Um, but you said you said a couple of them you absolutely hate. So what's what's the ones you hate? So that,
1: the one that I absolutely hate. It's the mile um, river. You're staying in it for about a mile. It's between ankle deep to knee deep, and it seaweed, the, the grounding, so you're just trying to get through it, and it really just slows you down and wears down your legs quite a lot.
0: Yeah, I can see that and, doing a lot, uh, not a lot of fun there.
1: Yeah, um, and also to add to that, um, you've got right after you get out of that one, you've got a very steep incline with a sandbag carry, and quite often during the race we've had rain, so when the sandbag gets wet, doubles the weight. Right, and so you're going up that hill and coming down. Right after going through the mud mile is quite challenging there.
0: Okay, uh, what's the? Is it like World's toughest? Where if you fail obstacles, they do like a little penalty loop, or?
1: So besides the sandbag carry and ammo carry, which are compulsory, um, instead of a penalty loop, they've just got a 10 burpee penalty. So it's not. It's not. It's pretty easy. For the penalty, just ten burpees and then move on.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Cool. So you're, uh, I mean, obviously you you crushed world's toughest this past year with 95 miles. I think I, I think I remember you passing me at some point and just cruising past me.
1: Um, I remember, I remember going into the monkey bars um, with you, and there was a massive line, and just jumping pretty much straight into the water for that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Uh,
0: 95 miles. How did you? Uh, how do you think you pull that off? What's your what's your secret to success? You think?
1: The leg um, pacing,
0: a little bit of everything.
1: It's a. I've got a very strong uh, mental attitude. I really um, once I've set a goal, I'll I'll push myself and see what my limit can be and try and expand my limits with every time I push. But I think something that really helped me in World's Tougher Smarter, well, not only my faith in God, but also um, just I set myself let's have fun and I took the pressure off myself from the start and I pretty much said I don't want to know what position I'm coming, at least for the first while. I don't want it to wear on me like it does on some of the people who started out really fast and then they get overtaken and they just seem to get discouraged and then drop off. I wanted to just give it my best the whole time and then right at the end I found out what position I was coming and I just picked up my pace and gave it the rest of everything I had.
0: Nice. So when when was the first time you looked at your placing?
1: I knew kind of roughly that I was going all right from the start, but um, it was probably almost second, third last lap. I knew I was around in the top ten before that, though, but um, it was second last lap and my brother's gone to me, you're in in fourth place with um, fifth place, 200 metres behind you, and it just got me running. I just couldn't stop that lap. And that was, I ran consistent negative splits for the last couple laps as well.
0: Jeez, that's, that's impressive, very impressive. I also think it's impressive that you managed to make it that long without knowing. I, I did something similar, like I didn't really want to know until past the 12-hour mark. Um, and I, yeah. think, I I agree with you, I think that helps, it kind of takes some of that yeah. pressure off and you just kind of cruise for that first half or plus. Yeah, it,
1: Took the pressure off. I still knew I was I was up there, which was really helping, and I was happy with how my lap times were going. And um, but then when it gets hard, it plays. I find it plays on my mind a lot. If someone runs past you, and you're like, oh, just got overtaken, another spot. But um, taking that pressure off, it just freed my mind up to just go for it and have fun and enjoy the whole experience as well.
0: That's great. So, how many years have you done World's Toughest?
1: So that's my third year, second year in Vegas. I also did 2013 in New Jersey. Okay, how did you do
0: the other two years?
1: Um, so first year started off, I was doing quite well. Um, I was still quite young and it was my, the longest race I'd ever, had ever done. So I started off quite fast. I was, I was in fourth for a little while, around the eight-hour mark, then slipped down. My hammies went on me and um, I only ended up with 55 mile, having to pull out about 13 hours in.
0: Gotcha. So, you just started out too fast, you think? Um,
1: right, yeah. yeah, and also didn't have quite that experience with um, running 100 plus kilometers or and that. So, my legs are, I didn't probably have the training on my legs for um, endurance.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, you're, uh, uh, you're actually very young for like an ultra endurance athlete. Like that's, uh, I'm, I'm very, very impressed that you're 22 and, rushing these enormous races. I know my priorities were elsewhere when I was your age.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I really enjoyed just seeing my limit. Like, I started really young, and I always figured, well, I might not be able to um, run as fast as some other people, but I can I can keep going for longer than them, so that really helped.
0: Yeah, I, I feel the same way. That's kind of how, when I was younger and growing up, like I was never the fastest, so I was like, oh, well, I'll just run a little longer. Like and eventually someone will be impressed that I'm running for a long time, and it just kind yeah, of
1: that's
0: it. it just snowballed out of control. And now it's like, oh, let's see, let's see how far I can go before my body completely shuts down. So, I definitely feel you there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, I probably started when I was around 13. I started just it just went out, and I'm like, oh, I can run 10 kilometers. So, set it up in the backyard and just ran over 100 laps in the backyard, and then <laughs> kept building up from there.
0: Wow. So uh, take take me through now that now that you're you know um, not running circles around your backyard. Take me through like an average training week for you. Like how many times are you doing run training? Are you doing interval training? Are you doing strength training? Kind of just take through take us through a week.
1: So it also depends on I do quite a lot outside of my training. So it also depends on my work work life at that time. Um, sometimes I try to include work as part of my training as a carpenter. I'm constantly lifting and carrying, and when I'm going hard, it's it's almost a workout for strength-wise. So I try to incorporate that as part of my part of my strength training for the week. Um, on top of that, it'll depend week by week, but at up to 160 or 100 mile week, and as low as um, between 50 50 to 100 on a good week, yeah. That's uh, quite a
0: lot of volume. That's solid. Yeah,
1: so so when when just heading in, probably two months prior, that's when I've really started sticking sticking to the perfect training weeks and building up the volume in prep for the twenty four hour, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then adding in and also obstacle technique.
0: Okay, you do. Um do you do shorter races, too, throughout the year, or do you mostly stick with the ultra stuff?
1: So at ultra stuff, that's currently my strength. That's where I normally go better. But I also do a number of the shorter races as well. I don't, don't do... Um, I still enjoy getting out there and going for them.
0: So t- tell us about some of the uh, obstacle course race series in uh, Australia. So, so yeah.
1: one of the big ones that I'm a big fan of is Raw Challenge. And that's set out on a six-kilometer loop um, with fifty obstacles, and they've they've got almost all the obstacles from um, all the different races. That's actually a qualifying race for obstacle racing world championship series as well. Um, so that course is set up. You've got wall climbs, you've got up to ten-foot wall, um, and it's mandatory to get over that. Otherwise, there's burpees for that one, and um, you got rope climbs it's got a lot and that's a really fun fun one for just anyone really even if you want to compete they've got an elite wave and they've also it's a really fun one to go through with a team as well and what uh, distance is that that's uh six kilometers so about four three four miles yeah
0: okay and then uh, obviously true its one of the other major series right yeah, assuming.
1: yeah true Grits quite major their main one is the enduro for most of the people the number of ones all over australia and they're, they're more army based so because they've come for a more army background than tough mudder they've they're including ammo carry so you've got two like ammo boxes you're carrying out um and yeah that's a really good event too um they're really set up and they're not they're not as big as some of the other big events but um they're Australian and they they do quite well for themselves.
0: Okay. Uh, what else? Are there any other kind of major series? Like I know in you know in America we have kind of the big ones are Spartan Warrior Dash and Tough Mudder. We've
1: got Spartan as well. Um, so there's the Australian Spartan Race series that goes on, um, and a lot of the Aussies will still head over for some of the American ones too. But um, yeah, so it's just the same really with Spartan here, except obviously because it's smaller, smaller country, there's not as many events each year. So there's only about um, less than 10 Spartan events for the year in Australia. And yeah, um, so it's mainly Raw Challenge, True Grit, and Spartan and Tough Mudder would be the main ones, although Tough Mudder are not having many events at the moment here.
0: Okay, yeah, I think they, they just started expanding some other countries in the last couple last two to three years as well, I'm Yeah sorry, they
1: yeah about three years ago they had um, like about eight different locations. This year they've they've kind of and last year they kinda of cut back to about two or three different locations in Australia throughout the year.
0: Okay. Uh, you said uh as part of your well as part of your intro you were uh, I started your first place win at the R Z Suck Showdown. What is that an OCR or is that like a...
1: So, um, it... no, nah, it's actually American-based. So if you've heard of Gut Check Fitness or the Ultimate Suck race, that's a 36-hour race they have over in America run by the Deckers at their farm. Um, with that, he, him and his wife came over to Australia and ran a Suck series. It's pretty much 12 hours of making your, your life suck. Um, it's it, It's kind of like the death race from Spartan, except it's um, 12 hours and it's a more positive environment, um, really trying to push you to push past your limits and set new limits for yourself. Um, so they had a 24-hour version of that, and yeah, that, that was quite a challenging race. With uh, There was a five kilometre bucket carry with two 23 kilogram buckets or two um, 50-pound buckets. And you, so that, that really weared out your arms for it. Yeah. Do
0: you, you typically do events like that or is that kind of off your, your normal?
1: Uh, I, I enjoy events like that. It just depends on how my racing schedule is going and, um, whether I can fit it in. I used the 24 hour, it was about six weeks prior to World's Toughest Mudder and I, just went into that and decided to use it as training, have some fun, and really just work on my mindset um, for it in prep for World's Toughest Mother. So I, I enjoy them, although um, they're very good for training and team building. Although it's and it's still a bit of a race going on there too.
0: So when you arrive for uh, World's Toughest Mother, how how many days do you arrive prior, and then kind of how many days do you stay
1: afterwards? Uh, yeah. So for World's Toughest Mudder, I've tried to do it for the years that it's done well. I came two weeks prior and I, was, I just travelled around the US visiting a number of the different cities, um, both west and east coast. Um, so two weeks arriving before and I had my last big um, training weekend um, in LA, just um, hitting up a number of the hills and trails there and then two weeks of tapering off significantly And then afterwards, I did stay for a week this time. I did find when I went over for the eight-hour toughest, I arrived two days prior to the race. Um, About an hour into the race, I felt absolutely exhausted, and I think that was jet lag and, um, yeah, a lot going on just coming over so quick. I couldn't really adjust and um, recover from the plane.
0: Yeah. I actually for 2015 World Cup I was actually over on the other side of the world, um, in Lebanon, and I actually flew in like the day before, raced oh, for 24 wow. hours, and then I got on a plane and flew back, and I felt like like while I was standing on the starting line, I felt fine, and I felt like well, I was ready to go, but like yeah. I feel like I feel like my body just didn't have that normal extra gear it has. I felt I just felt of like, more than I, I just felt sluggish, so.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly how I felt at um, toughest mother L.A. Um, I was I thought I was already I'd done my training. Then I got to the got to the start line. I felt good. Probably started exhaustion just started hitting me, and then obviously I was flying out the next night, Sunday night, right after the race, pretty much. So it was quite quite an exhausting trip overall. Yeah, no, it was good fun. Are, uh, are
0: you planning on doing any other toughest mothers or? So I
1: I haven't I'm thinking about it still. Um, just depending how I can just if I can fit it in with my schedule, I wouldn't mind heading to. a little bit later on. Uh the July one, or I think there's one in August too.
0: Yeah, I think the August one is Chicago. I'm not yeah, sure. That's the one
1: I'm, I'm thinking of heading over for that one. Just okay. depending if I can fit it all in. Yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, you said you were a carpenter. Uh, I know before we started recording, we talked a little bit about some other work you do uh, as a trainer, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, so um, there's a new gym that's just launched in Australia, and it's also headed over to America. It's um, 45-minute circuit-style training, kind of like CrossFit, except it uses technology in a... Better way so the trainers can really push you, and it is very good for overall fitness. It's called F45. Um, so that's very good. I've used that before in as part of my training for the events, um, and really smashes everything, builds strength at the same time as um, really pushing you, your cardiovascular system as well. Um, so. I'm working full-time as a carpenter, but I'm also waking up at 4 a.m. and doing 5 a.m. classes and 6 a.m. classes, heading off to work, and then coming back in the evening to run classes as well. So That's,
0: yeah. That sounds like a packed schedule.
1: Yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty packed at the moment. Just like pushing my limits in each area of my life, so it's been good. And then I'm hoping to cut back on some of my work's. Schedule um, in the second half of this year and really focus on on my training and um, being in best form going into world's toughest matter this year.
0: Yeah, sounds uh, sounds great. Is your uh, are the, is your job supportive of since you like taking more time off than let's say, the average person for training?
1: Um, to a certain extent, I really haven't really taken much time off at all. I've pretty much only taken my base base time off. Each year, and just just fit in the training around it. But um, that's something that I'm looking to talk to them about coming up soon. Taking more time off, and so I can put more more hours into the training each week.
0: Okay. And then what's your uh, for so for this year your big plans, right? Are Enduro 2.4 four and World's toughest? Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, World's toughest is really the big the the big one this year and i also i've got a goal of um finishing on uh spot podium in one of the events in australia um, and just increasing my speed and just the intensity level being able to keep up with that for those shorter distance races as well
0: i still uh, i still like to do short distance races too it's just uh just fun you know you you go out yeah. there, you can run for 40 minutes, and then, like, you can still walk the next day, so that's, that's always a cool thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's it. After all, tough the toughest You feel like, I know, I feel like quite mentally and emotionally just completely, completely, completely gone after just giving everything out there for 24 hours.
0: Yeah, I feel like I was hit by a truck afterwards. Like, I feel absolutely terrible.
1: Yeah, I think the yeah. car walk back to the car is worse than the actual race.
0: Yes, absolutely, like, but, like, I am I look somewhat fine. I cross the finish line. I'm like, all right, I can make it about 10 more feet. I need to lay down. And then they're like, all right, now you have to move all your crap back to the car. And it's like, no, dude, I'm not – it's not happening. Like, I'll, I'll just lay on the ground out here for, for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah that,
1: that, that's that's exactly how I felt pretty much. Someone take me out of the misery then. That's, that's all I felt like afterwards. But it's such a good sense of achievement as well.
0: Yeah, I know. It sounds like uh, it sounds like me and you are a lot on the same page. Like I, I go. I mean, that's in my event. The last event for the year. That's my most important event. And I, I will run my body down until it's got nothing left. Like, so. Yeah. I, I, I come out of that event and it's like, and I don't want to do anything, uh, ever again. And then everybody goes, I forget about how awful I feel about 48 hours later, and I start thinking about it next year again.
1: Yeah. 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 You just. And when you get that result that you're after, it's just worth it all in the end. That um, you know you pushed yourself past what you thought was thought was possible and just kept going.
0: All right. So your goal coming into 2016 was it? Was it a top five finish or what? You it was just, definitely.
1: It was definitely. A, um, I had that in the back of my mind, but I was going for as close to the hundred miles as I could get. Um, and I was very close with increasing my speed. I only just missed doing the last lap by um, about 13 minutes, and my final oh. lap was my final lap was an hour and eight minutes, which was I was quite happy with.
0: Yeah, that's that's, moving. that's especially with That especially at that. Oh, that's incredibly fast at that point in the uh, in the night or morning, whatever.
1: 24 yeah. hours into the event. So that was really one of my big focuses as well. I wanted to try and run a negative split at the end because I knew that's when I could really make a move up the field, and um, and that's that's what eventually happened.
0: Yeah, because people towards the second half of the event, I mean, people just their pace drops dramatically. It's you know, I mean, the majority of the field's walking, and if you can if you can even sustain a jog, you'll move up the field.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's exactly like that. And that's the thing. A lot of people will start out very fast, but then they realise too late that that's just not sustainable. And um, it's all about how far you get in the end, not how far you get right at the start.
0: Very true. Uh, so any have you been to uh, OCRWC, the World Championship in or uh, Ohio?
1: I haven't. Um, that's something I'd like to do. It's just... Um, Really, it's over the other side of the world, which makes it very hard, but um, it is something that's on my list of things to do, and I'd love to compete at it this year. It just depends whether, how I can work it in with um, my work life and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you. I know, uh, I've been I've been eyeing true grit for about three years now, so I've been uh, just kind of waiting for the right year to do it, and uh, things kind of lined up this year, so. and
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: There's only one tripper on the other side of the world versus you taking multiple each year. So uh, I definitely yeah. feel you there. But it is, uh, if you, you know, I, I don't do particularly well at uh, OCRWC. I mean, I, I finish all the obstacles. I keep my band, but I think I finished like 76th in the Pro Wave this year, something like that. Uh, right. But it's just, the event itself is just so much fun. And,
1: oh, you know, for like, sure. yeah. like I talked
0: about, um, you know, I can walk, I can finish the race and then like, go get a coffee and walk around the festival and hang out with people, so, it's, uh, it's a cool crowd, kind of, yeah, uh, that's
1: what makes it,
0: what... yeah, kind of very similar to World's Toughest, uh, with the, you know, everyone just, everyone that's there is just kind of obsessed with, uh, the sport in general, so. Yeah,
1: it's really good, that environment, a lot of my friends have headed over and compared them to that one, which was quite
0: good. Most of my podcast listeners are American, so, I, I I'm not sure how many Australians I have, if I have any, um. But uh, what do you wish that some of the American athletes or some of the American OCR competitors should know about Australian athletes or Australian OCR in general?
1: Oh, there's quite a few Australians who have the ability to to go quite well at a World's Toughest smarter Race. The the distance of travel stuffs some of them, and also just the time zone change. Um, Lachlan Dancy, I don't know if you've heard of him, he's... He's very good. He's won the last two years of the True Grit Enduro, um, and he's really up there. He represented um, the Australian team in 2014 when they headed over for World's Toughest Mudder and came second. Um, there's also ah, no, yeah. Uh, yeah a number of other ones who re- really up there. Obviously, everyone knows Deanna Blake, um and really hope she'll be back out there, competing soon. But I have heard that um, the Spartan Australian obstacles are harder than the American ones. Don't know how true that is yet, but, um, yeah.
0: Well, I know the... I, um, yeah, so I, I'm obviously opinionated because um, I race a lot of different series, but I know the... To me, the Spartan obstacles are very... How do I say this out of it's They're kind of simple, right? So it's like, here's a sandbag, carried up the hill, and it's awful, don't get me wrong, but there's not a lot of technicality to it. Or there's, here's a um, log pilot up a hill. Here's a long row crawl. Here's a, a hoist. And really, like, the only technical obstacle uh, is really the rig. And by my standards, I think they're, most of their rigs are pretty easy. They're mostly rings. So um, if you yeah. if the Australian ones are technical, I could definitely see that.
1: Yeah, there's, there's some where even the top people are... M- Slipping off, off. Obviously, we got quite wet monkey bars in the morning, so slipping them, off, slipping off them, and um, we had another one come in um, as well. There's, which once you get used to it, you're quite good at. But they're adding in a couple extras, and it, it's good though. It keeps it challenging, um, and really gets the heart rate. Yeah, they really, they still push you. Um, there's, a, yeah, they're a bit more technical, I think, from. From what I've heard, I haven't done an American one. I've just heard some of the Aussies who went over to um, Spartan in Hawaii have said who did quite well and podiums there. Um, they reckoned that it was quite quite a bit easier, some of the obstacles, than over here. But no, nah, it's, it's good in the end. keeps everyone challenged and having fun.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. I think um, I like that the sport is versatile and there's a lot of different um, you know obstacles and race types I think that's what makes it, you know, I- interesting and unique. That um, yeah. just because Spartan is not my my favorite brand, uh, doesn't mean it's not great for someone else who loves all those heavy carries and uh, throwing spears and stuff like that. So I think that's cool. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I'm gonna be
0: on, on a on a personal road, so I'm gonna be in Australia for about two weeks, um, doing some sightseeing. So what what do I need to see as a as a tourist in Australia? Yeah.
1: Which
0: cities are you going to? Just Sydney or? Yeah, so we're going to start in Sydney and then we're going to hit uh, Brisbane uh, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Kans no, oh, yeah, like yeah. yeah. There you go. So I think we're going to hit those. I've actually been to Australia once before and I did Sydney, uh, Melbourne and Adelaide. So oh, i nice. going, going the opposite direction this time.
1: So, Sydney, Cairns, and... Brisbane. And Brisbane. Oh, yeah. Brisbane. In Sydney, there's there's quite a, quite a few things to see. How close are you going to the race start date? Like, are you going to go hiking or anything or running beforehand?
0: No, I've mean, shown up a couple of days. So
1: oh, okay. Hopefully, again, my body will adjust
0: and then just doing some local sightseeing museums, kind of downtown Sydney. Oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah,
1: nice. Oh, obviously the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge, you've probably seen them last time you came, but they're probably two of the biggest things, catching the ferry over the Manly. Then obviously walk, make sure you walk the Harbour Bridge, it's quite a good, quite a nice walk. Um, and just around Darling Harbour is, is quite nice as well. If you're going to go out to see any, any of the mountains, um, the Blue Mountains, they're about an hour and a half from city, city, Sydney. Um, and there's quite a lot of nice walks around there and waterfalls to see. And um, there's also Royal National Park. There's a 30-kilometre coastal walk. That's a very nice, very nice walk there. Um, and quite a lot of people do that. Um, Besides that, it's just really the main, the main things. I haven't been done really any sightseeing in Brisbane myself, I've probably seen more of the US than I've seen of Australia. So I
0: think why I feel like that's always the way it is. Like wherever wherever you live, like you don't do the touristy stuff. Like I uh I I grew yeah. up uh, in parts of in, in New York and you know I have friends that are like, Yeah, I never went to the Statue of Liberty and I never you know, went to the World Trade Center where I was standing, like you know they live there their entire lives and it's like, you know, twenty minutes away or whatever. Yeah
1: the things to see in Sydney, but outside of Sydney, um, I've probably seen more of different cities in America than I've seen of, um, of them.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we, uh, call it a night or a morning for you, a night for me?
1: Um, probably just uh, my brother Josh. He, he was over in the U.S. with me and he supported me for the full 24 hours, um, yeah, that made a big difference for me, having a support crew at World's Toughest Mudder. Um, he didn't stop the whole time. He, I'd literally run into the station. I had a little drink bottle holder. I'd give him my empty bottle. He'd give me another one with a couple of nutrition bars, and off I'd go for the next lap. And that made a big, big impact on my race, just having someone there supporting me. And he's had his third time to come over and um, support me for it. So... Big thanks to him, and um, for anyone who does a big 24-hour race, if you can get a support crew, get someone there to support you because it'll make a massive difference. And it's it's really good when you're feeling like you're dead at the end, just having someone helping you get to the car, get your gears to the car, etc.
0: Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's spot on. I yeah, you know, my my dad and my uh, wife picked through for me, and I'm yeah, it's. Like, you just need it. It's, you know, even something simple like, oh, I'm going to take off my sock and, like, your abs cramp and your foot cramps and you can't bend over that far. Like, um. Yeah, well, cute. putting
1: on your wetsuit in the middle of the night, they can quickly pass it to you and help you slide it on nice and easy when you're trying to zip up fast and head out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, my, the, uh, the picker actually next to me, uh, April B, who came in fourth for the females, her picker with, like, Justin Rose and stuff ran over and helped me get my wetsuit on because, like, my dad was having trouble and I think my wife was back at the hotel to of the baby at that time, so.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it's really good when, and um, once you pick crew, you've given them a bit of an idea of what they're going to go through and what they're going to do and it makes a big difference on, I think, everyone who's racing to finish near the tops. It really makes a big difference, yeah.
0: Yeah, totally, really. uh, Yeah, my... I give my pit crew very specific instructions and they know exactly what I want per lap and then on top yeah. of that they have some like extra stuff in case I change my mind mid lap um, but I actually think like for me as a racer you know staying up for 24 hours like my mind's focused I'm like I'm 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 very aware of what I'm doing like I think being a pit crew for me that personally would be like harder because you're you're just kind of you're waiting yeah. for an hour and, and yeah. an hour, an hour and a half for someone to run through and see you for a minute and then run away again. You know? Yeah, so? and
1: they've got to, when you they, you come in, it's all action for them. They've got to be um, really encouraging as well through that, that time. So that's that's quite challenging, especially for a 24-hour period, especially when they're probably almost falling asleep in between, in between yeah. laps. And I know my brother was setting an alarm to, so he could have a quick nap in between laps and trying to get up. And make sure he was there right at the start, so I wouldn't have to go back to my actual pit, so I could just walk inside and swap over and run out again. Yeah,
0: I mean, mean, my my dad does the same exact thing. You know, that saves it saves minutes per lap that you you know you have to run significantly faster to make up, right? Yeah. So I think most of the top guys are doing that.
1: Yeah, big game changer, I think.
0: Well, like I I mean, obviously we're both kind of the ultra uh, OCR athletes, so are.
1: Yeah, yeah seven, I really seven. enjoy the whole trial. I'm trying to get into more of the... Because I'm still still quite young, so I'm still trying to get in, um, compete more with the, the top guys who've been doing it for still a couple years longer than me for the shorter distance. Um, but no, nah, it's going it's going
0: well. Um, Your future is going to be ridiculous. Like, at, at 22, I mean, I just wasn't even scratching the surface of my endurance. Like, I'm 34 now, and I feel like I'm stronger... I can go. I can run longer and stronger and faster every year, uh, yeah. for the last decade. So, uh,
1: yeah, because I'm love, sure. 30s meant to be when you're hitting your um, peak for endurance in your 30s or late 20s. So, right, I'm um, hoping to just keep keep expanding and keep um, just growing as an athlete. And from
0: there, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. You'll, I'm sure you'll be on the podium at World's toughest in the next couple of years, if not this yeah. year. So, yeah,
1: it would be good. Yeah, it was. I remember because I think um, at World was last year, it was like third lap. I kept, I was like running alongside of you. I think back and forth for a bit, and then I think it was like my last lap, probably your second last. And I ran past, and you were there going, "Oh, what lap are you on?" Because you're worried I was overtaking yeah. you from behind. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm on this one." And I was like, I saw you, and I'm like, "Is this the person that I'm meant to overtake?" And I was kind of yeah. like, oh, no, do I have to, like, is this going to be a fight back and forth to, to the end? And I was like, oh, phew.
0: Yeah, because you passed me, and I, you, when you said we're left on I was like, oh, thank God. I don't have, I've got nothing left in the tank to battle this guy. Like, he'll just, he'll just blow past me. Like, I I got, no, I got nothing, so. Yeah,
1: because it was right near the end, and um, it was Matthew Hansen it was twenty 20- literally 20 meters behind me, I couldn't see him and I didn't know exactly who it was and what he looked like and I knew all of him because he competed before and I was just I went out in the last lap I actually had a red bull in my hand, I I was just going to go for it like. and it was my third lap of the race, obviously due to obstacles being clogged up was um, about an hour and seven minutes and then my last lap I finished off with an hour and eight minutes so i was really happy with that but i was oh, i really felt that at last life,
0: eh? yeah incredible <laughs> good stuff cool well uh before we take off any uh final thanks or shout outs you want to give besides your brother May-
1: mainly my brother but um just also um my dad as well he's really um He's gone through quite a lot health-wise lately, but even from a young age, he's always encouraged me to really push myself and give my best in everything I did. And yeah, just my family mainly. Yeah.
0: Great. It's been uh, Tim. It's been great talking to you. Uh, you I will. I will see you in let's see, about six weeks when I'm in Australia racing uh, awesome. next year. Hopefully, I'll, I'll keep you in my sights.
1: <laughs> Sounds like we might be going back and forth for a bit. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, well, hopefully, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, I'm uh, excited to head over there and uh, check out Australia again and check out True Good and talk some more to the Australian a- athletes, uh, Brenna and I. I'm sure we'll be doing some uh, live streaming from Facebook and uh, Mud Run Guide and stuff like that, so we'll definitely uh, get some interviews, like, actually on the spot with you at the actual oh. race venue.
1: Yeah, awesome. That'll be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if any Australians are listening to this that want a copy of my book, just let me know and I will bring some over in my luggage with me so you don't have to pay the absurd amount for shipping because it's like, it's like $25, yeah. which is more than no, the price of the book for shipping. It's like stupid. That's true. But, so, yeah, uh, feel free to hit me up on Facebook, anyone that wants a copy of that. And, uh, Tim, again, thanks for joining us. Uh, looking forward to seeing you uh, twice this year, maybe three times, that toughest. So we'll, yeah. um, so thanks again
1: awesome all right